Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, welcome to Sex and Science Hour. You know, everything is so normal this week. We're doing the show on a Friday. We're even doing it early. And we're back in our normal studio and we don't have any audio fuck-ups. So cross <laughs> your fingers that everything's going to go well. And Are we sure we don't have any audio fuck-ups? Um, I mean, now that I said that, I'm going to have to hold myself to it. So, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, some, I just wanted to first start out the show by, you know, saying thanks for being here. Um, you know, we apologize to the listeners for not being as consistent as I guess we could be. We're kind of on the whole thing of like, well, we'll release a show whenever. But Friday is like a reminder that, hey, it's time to do a show, you know. Welcome back. I mean, you know, some podcasts can get away with it. I think we might be one of the ones that that, that can do that. Well, you know, like, okay, getting a little personal here. This is why I haven't made a Patreon for the show, because I'm like, I don't know if we're always going to be very consistent. And Mm. like, I feel like I can't ask for money if I'm not giving the, you know, the show consistently or whatever. Uh I mean, we do kind of, we have a a way to support our show with our after show, but for Patreon, I feel like the bar is a little bit higher. So that's kind of why I haven't gotten around to that yet. But maybe some people don't care and they would just, whenever we release a show, they would give us a buck. I don't know. I'll think about it a little bit more and get back to you. If you have any feedback, of course, you know, let us know in the in the Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook or show at sexandsciencehour.com. But meanwhile, we're here and we got a show to do. Yeah. You know, Brian, spring is in the air. My <laughs> my flowers so it know is. it. <laughs> I can feel it when it happens. Yeah. You have a sort of a yearly cycle, don't I, you? Yeah. I, I go in heat uh, <laughs> starting in like it's anywhere between late February and April. And it it happens, and oh boy, well, the <laughs> yeah. only person I need to apologize is to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no apologies necessary, Wah-hoo! believe me. Uh, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think everyone's sort of feeling it now because I've got this story here. Um, it's about the the bar in Utah. The bar, the bar, like the lawyer bar. Oh, like okay. The, I was uh, say a bar in Utah is not going to do very well. I right? Mean, yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not that many of those. The only bar is like the Association <laughs> of Lawyers, really. Yeah. So members of the Utah State Bar got an unexpected surprise when they opened up an email from the organization last Monday. The state certification agency, in a note meant to advertise its annual spring convention in St. George, innocent enough, right? Okay. Accidentally attached an image of a topless woman. (gasps) And the email was sent to every single member attorney. According to the organization's website, more than 11,000 attorneys belong to the Utah State Bar. So some 
fucking pervert. <laughs> Fucked up his email attachment. Didn't look at it. Hit send out to 11,000 people to invite them to their conference. And it had titties in it. <laughs> uh, we are horrified, John Baldwin, executive director of the bar, said in an email. He probably didn't send the email. Uh, we are investigating to discover how this happened. Our goal is to find out what happened and ensure that it never happens again. <laughs> Wait, were they CC'd or BCC'd on the email? <laughs> <laughs> they were probably BCC'd and they immediately sent out an apology email after <sighs> realizing what had gone out. But like with email... You can't take it back, you know, unless you have that Gmail attached or that there's like yeah, a Gmail but even that's app. Only a few seconds. That, yeah, it gives you 10 seconds after you send an email to click unsend. And I fucking love that. I use that daily. Yeah, you know what? Because <laughs> we're all tempted to just fire off an email without really reading it over. Yeah, you know? but actually, that reminds me. So, and there has been, this has been done um, or it's been requested anyway, where Google can, if it was through Gmail, Google can, can delete the email. And like, and, and do you have to get like a court order or something? Well, you have I to mean, get the permission from Google, or you know, they have oh, to do yeah. it. That's going to take but, longer than it takes for the person to open well, your email. And the damage they to be done. I mean, I don't know. I, I that's what I would have done. I would. Well, no, that's not what I would have done. I would have sent a lot worse than a topless picture. But <laughs> but I mean, like, not all those lawyers are men, right? And there, can you imagine like Good getting point. that? You would just feel so unwelcome and harassed. Like if I got that as well, I'd be really offended. You know, it's supposed to be a. Prof- professional fucking well, organization what are they doing emailing out porn to everybody at work i figured that in utah there was like some kind of it was almost like the great firewall of china where like any kind of nudity was was instantly blocked i mean i'm i'm, I'm stunned right. by this yes how did this occur yeah I in mean, the, the, the prudish state of utah th- this is a statewide scandal that that has just occurred here. I think something's seriously fucked up. Yeah, it's it, maybe it just shows that we're in that alternate <laughs> timeline that everybody seems to think we're in. <laughs> Berenstein Bears alternate timeline. Yeah, the Berenstein Bears and Kazam or whatever. Uh, Shazam. Oh, Shazam. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. It, it, it depends. Oh, it depends which timeline yeah. you're in. Is what, which one you call it? That's preposterous. Yeah. Uh, now I just the want Mandela to... effect. If people are wondering what we're talking about. Yeah, the Mandela effect is a conspiracy theory or it's a it's a phenomenon where people tend to collectively or en masse misremember history historical yeah. facts where they think the challenger explosion was in 87 instead of 84 or something like that sure uh as far as i know it doesn't happen with 9 yeah. 11 right no uh, right okay real quick with this story though I, I get it. I understand this is professional stuff this kind of thing shouldn't be showing up that said in, a, in an even not so perfect world, this should not, this really, like, topless women should be perfectly acceptable and fine. Yes, I think that's an important point. You like, know, we're definitely not anti porn or anti sex or anti topless women. Oh, God love them. You know, we, we're totally cool with those things. It just doesn't mix at work. Like, I would definitely feel uncomfortable if I got a work email with the topless woman in it and I didn't work at a titty bar or something. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure there was. I mean, I don't know what this was. Maybe it was something 
Like, I mean, there can be, you know, pictures worth a thousand words and those thousand words included in this picture could have been very risque, could have been maybe revealing a secretary or, I mean, who knows? And then there are extenuating circumstances. Oh, I think we would have heard about it if it was a blackmail photo or like a whistleblower or something. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, because we're talking about, you know, a state where pretty much if you're if you're just showing some ankle, you're in trouble. Okay, so well, sorry, that's not true. But, <laughs> but you're only in trouble if you're not, you know, the the higher ups at the bar or whoever sent this email. <laughs> it could have been an intern, you know, preparing this email. It could have been an automated thing. I mean, I really don't know what happened, and they haven't. Well, I can't wait to see what legal precedent gets set. <laughs> yeah, <for this>. me too. <laughs> Who's going to sue who? And what? <laughs> tip for whoever sent that email. You know, you might want to get that Gmail app where it lets you un unsend an email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or something. Anyway, as far as it were as far as I know, that works by kind of quarantining your email and like not actually sending it when you press yes. send. When you press send instead of actually sending the email, it, it starts a timer. Like ten seconds. Where ten seconds goes by. And I don't think it's possible to set it for longer than ten seconds, but maybe Maybe it should be. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a market opportunity. <laughs> Do you remember in the 90s where they were saying that you should be able to delete emails after you've sent them and things like that? No, okay, I'm not I, sure. I do remember some of that. Like, you know, people were were campaigning for being able to delete messages after or like revoke an email, like get a refund on your email or something. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a popular idea. I think that people wish existed certainly on things like Facebook. Um, Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? You wish you could unsend your Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and probably what's even more terrifying, you know, for, for these people is that and I say this all the time. I mean, if Facebook or Google like ever. If there was ever a real data leak from them, like a real one, um, you'd find out that however many thousands of those people in Utah, uh, that, that, that nude photo is, uh, that's a folk dance <laughs> in comparison Compared to what there normally is on <laughs> yeah, their computer. Exactly. <laughs> I completely agree with you. You know, they do those studies on like the Pornhub popular search terms or whatever. Yeah. And the, the places where there's the most social conservatism are always the places where it's the kinkiest and the gayest porn that's being searched for. So surprise, surprise, right? You, you, <laughs> you try to repress it and it comes out somewhere, right? Yeah. You mean really? They're not searching for like ankleless or not ankleless. They're not searching for Victorian porn. No, <laughs> yeah, right. shock, shock, surprise. All right, Mennonite well, bonnets. We got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of science stories to cover. So stay tuned. There's more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Hello, Sex and Science Hour listeners. We have a very exciting announcement, and we can only announce it on the show, so you have to be listening to the podcast to get this deal. Very exciting. If you want to hang out with us in person. Details are still being hammered out, but we are going to be at the Porcupine Freedom Festival in New Hampshire, in Lancaster, New Hampshire, the week of June 19th to the 24th. We are going to be there part of that time. We are airing live. We are going to do a live Sex and Science Hour recording and a listener party on one of those nights. We don't know which night yet, but we'll let you know. So if you want to get in on this deal, and if you maybe you were planning to go up there anyway, maybe you are convinced by hearing us talk about it, just go to porcfest.com, 
get your tickets, and we've got a coupon code for you that'll get you 10% off regular or VIP tickets. And you're going to want those VIP tickets because you get free drinks and you're going to get to hang out with us because we're going to be in that tent. Woo! <laughs> so the code is SSH10. That gives you 10% off VIP and general admission tickets. Get a deal. Come hang out with us. Come to our listener party. Be on our show. It'll be a good time had for all. One more time. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And the code is SSH10 for 10% off your tickets. See you there. Now back to the show. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour. It's been a while since we've had a uh, commercial break on the show, but uh, now we finally have something to promote. So there you go. Just come to our party. Anyway... I'm going to be doing a Sovereign Tech from there as well. Yes. I think people will hear about that on your show. But in case you didn't know about Brian's show, in case this is the first time you're listening to Sex and Science Hour, first of all, welcome. And second of all, you should definitely check out Sovereign Tech, which is Brian's podcast about science, technology, and how it can set you free and make you a slave in different ways. (laughs) You like that? Wow. I just came up with a new tagline, didn't I? Wow. That's... You used to say science and technology and how they can set you free, but I added that last little, little bit. There. there it is. So to check out Brian's show, you can search for Sovereign Tech, S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech on SoundCloud, or just go to SovereignTech.com, S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com. There you go. All right. So we got a lot of science stories to get to. We're going to do kind of rapid fire here. We've talked before about what a big problem it is, people falling And I don't mean falling down on your goals or your dreams or anything like that in a metaphorical sense. I mean, (laughs) although that does happen. You mean, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yes, I mean, I've fallen and I can't get up. Exactly. So senior citizens, you know, it's a big problem for people over the age of 65. Falls are the largest cause of death and serious injury, death and debilitating injuries in the demographic of folks over the age of 65. Yeah. So if you're lucky enough to live that long, you got to worry about falling. <laughs> yeah, all, all jokes aside, like it, it is a genuinely terrifying problem. Yeah, I mean, and you it's know, extremely common. Kids and, you know, adults in the middle ages and whatever else, I mean, no one really thinks about it much, but holy shit, is it a real, real issue. Uh, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one of those things where you learn, you know, when, when you learn about healthcare, I guess, it's hard to sometimes step back and look at the big picture and what are the most common things and what can you do to mitigate the risk of the most common things. Yeah. Well, with all cause death, you know, like in certain ages, younger ages, it's like accidents. Right. So you can uh, try to avoid accidents. Right. You know, d- drive carefully. Don't drive drunk and things sure. like that. Once you get a little older, it's cardiovascular stuff and strokes. So don't smoke cigarettes. Really? You know, get some exercise. It's it's pretty basic, right? Sure. But once you get over the age of 65, it's like, okay, there's a lot of different causes of death, but, you know, death and injury, one of the the biggest cause is falls. So what can you do to not fall? Now, balance exercises are shown to help. Tai Chi and yoga are shown to help uh, seniors fall less. But, you know, as we age, it's a problem where the cells in our ears that sort of sense where our body is in space just aren't as good like every other cell in our body that gets Mm -hmm. damaged as we age. And so um, is that something that can't be trained and sort of strengthened? Or is that something that can maybe you can maybe do something about? And the evidence says that you actually can train your brain and your body to get better at balancing even as you're aging more retrain i think retrain yeah yeah exactly you you're kind of i think training yourself to compensate in a way so there is a scientist who was really interested in this problem 
And his name is Clive Pye. He's a physical therapy professor. And he's developed what he calls is a vaccine against falling. And how this works is it's a treadmill. Very so it's simple not a setup. vaccine. No, it's not an actual right. okay. injection. No, don't <laughs> anti-vaxxers don't come get us, right? We're not actually recommending a vaccine. Yeah. It's <laughs> it is we're not recommending anything on the show. We're just having fun, by the way. But anyway, he calls it that. But what it really is is a treadmill. It's a device. The treadmill goes along, you know, walking speed. And every so often, it kind of skips and stops. And if you've ever had this happen at a treadmill at a gym or something, sometimes they do this where they kind of go backwards a little bit for just one little fraction of a second, and then they Mm -hmm. resume on their normal course. And it really trips you up, no pun intended. You know, it makes you trip. Sure, right. It like slips you up and you have to kind of catch your balance. Well, this person programmed a, a treadmill to do that on purpose, and then he hooked people up to a harness so that while they're walking on the treadmill, they're supporting their own weight, like the ropes are kind of slack or loose. But if they were to fall, the harness will catch them so that they don't hit the ground, you know, and and hurt themselves. So what they do is they put these seniors on the treadmill, hooked up to the harness, Okay, and then the treadmill slips, they fall, or they, they trip, and they, you know, go fall down, go boom, but the harness catches them before they go boom. After they do that a couple times, they can actually learn to catch themselves. Ah. And like when you're walking on the ground, when it's maybe think about young people, think about when it's icy out and you just don't see it coming and you slip on some invisible ice or something like that. It's kind of like that where you can learn to catch your balance and you can learn to compensate for falling even on regular surfaces. And for some people who have balance impairments or who are just aging and they have trouble with their balance, it can really feel like they're walking on ice sometimes and they're just, you know, slipping. It feels like the rug is being pulled out from under them, literally. Right, right. (laughs) So if they can train themselves to get good at catching themselves when they fall, it actually prevents falls. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You can can teach an old human new tricks on the treadmill. That's good. All right. (laughs) And so they're going to need more study, obviously, but they're doing tests right now, and the preliminary results are showing that it's actually stopping people from falling so I think it's awesome. Doubling is exercise, and fuck, that's great. And it's just the, the greatest thing is that it's a simple kind of modification or program like for a treadmill. Right. And every there are treadmills everywhere. People have them at home. Oh, yeah. So maybe you could have some firmware on your treadmill where you could even do this at home. Or I don't know about the harness, but maybe you could have this in physical therapy places or gyms or something like that. And I just think that is such a great way to uh, improve the world. Yeah, I agree. No, I think it's great. Very cool. So we'll link to an article about that in our, in our show notes. Yeah, good news. Exactly. <laughs> well, some people probably thought that that uh, boob email was good news. That could and be. for some, it certainly was, but not for everybody. Anyway, um, might have caused some people to fall over. It, that might have caused some people to fall. <laughs> Looking at phone, have, holy shit. That might have caused some cardiovascular events, too. <laughs> uh, taste buds dull as people gain weight. Now scientists think they know why. So this is interesting. There's a study done on mice where as the mice... Uh, are fed a diet that makes them fat, uh-huh. they, uh, you know, they start to just seek out, it's almost like a positive feedback loop. They start to seek out more and more food, like junk food. You know, they want the the fatty, salty foods. And mice are not unlike humans too much in that respect, right? You know, sometimes we get into uh, modes where we just really want these like 
very tasty foods to like satisfy our cravings. Sure. And so why is that in a mouse? Like humans, you could say, oh, that's emotional eating, they're comfort eating. Right. Yeah, that's probably true to an extent. But mice, do they really comfort eat? I don't know. Um, well, it, it turns out that in this study, they found out that as the mice got got heavier and heavier, their inflammation went up in their body. And as the inflammation levels rose, it was preventing their taste buds, the stem cells that create taste buds, from renewing them, the new taste buds. So the, uh. the overweight, the obese mice had actually less taste buds than the normal weight mice. Like they had a, actually a quarter less taste buds. This reminds me of like how they say smoking lessens your sense of smell. Yeah. And I know I've had friends who like they quit smoking and suddenly they can, you know, after a little while they can start smelling all this other stuff and it's yeah. all, you know, so... Sure, Cancer, this... chemotherapy, and radiation, too. They, right, they right. kill off every fast-dividing cell. So, you know, the, yeah. the stem cells in the taste buds are no exception. So sometimes people can't taste. I mean, humans aren't mice. But that said, you know, I'm sure a very similar effect happens within humans. And so... Yeah, and when you have fewer taste buds, food, like... It's not it's not as potent. And so you go for the very intense sensations of taste. So people tend to or mice or things with fewer taste buds would tend to seek out the the more intense, uh, you know, tasting flavors of goodness like fat and salt. Like yeah, junk food, basically. Yeah. The highly just, palatable foods. Right. It's just doubling down on it. I mean, because and a couple things. One. So. I wonder, I, I can't help but wonder if there, some of this wasn't already known by other, like fast food places, a lot of these restaurant companies and whatever else, they have their own labs that do this kind of shit, that mm -hmm. perform these exact kind of tests yeah. and research. Yeah, yeah. And I have wonder how many of them knew about that already. And that's why they just go for these like wild, crazy tasting shit, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that people will go for. Um, but it, it's sad at the same time because this is kind of doubling down. It's like, okay, well, I want to stop eating. But then if your taste buds are deadened, now satisfaction is a very subjective thing. Okay. Yeah. But, but satiety is a, such a, an important part of appetite and eating and hunger. You have to feel satisfied after you eat. Well, right. That's, that's the thing. It's, it can be subjective, but still like, you know, there's some objective metrics of what allows for satisfaction. And if you want to get more satisfied and just have to keep having more and more and more, I mean, like that. Yeah, that that makes for a tough road if yeah. you're somebody that's that wants to lose weight. And I use a key term wants. Right. Um, I you know, I mentioned like they go like junk foods. I mentioned fat and salt. But that's what that's what sort of mainstream scientists always blame as junk foods. But I think sugar is in included in that, too. Yeah. Sugar is one of the most intense and highly palatable types of taste. And it is one of the things that contributes to weight gain. Yeah, in I think... big, big way. Yeah. <laughs> you could argue that fat and salts are not a, even a problem compared to sugar. I think mainstream science is coming around to saying sugar is yeah. a really big problem. I mean, you're, you're, you're really getting that. Unfortunately, it's being used as a reason for more tax dollars. But, mm. uh, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong because yeah. sugar is a genuine issue. Yeah. But I mean, humans are car carnivorous or omnivorous by nature, you know, right. adapted to be able to process meat, which means fat. Mice are not. Mice are kind of eat, you know, evolved for a vegan diet. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when mice consume large amounts of fat, they they do gain weight, but that might not be the same thing with humans. Nah. So well, that's that's one of the biggest differences between, you know, mice and humans is like you can feed mice a high fat diet and they will become fat and they will get diabetes, but for humans, you can feed them a high fat low carb diet and they will lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get leaner. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so anyway, um 
So they they said that this, you know, loss of the taste buds was linked to inflammation in the body. And so they when they deleted this key inflammatory gene in the mice, they didn't lose their taste buds and they didn't get they didn't get fat. So there right. you go. There's a nice little story for you. So how can we apply this to our lives? I always like to like look for the lessons. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's mice and not humans, but there is this conventional wisdom that I think it validates a little bit, which is like if you want to increase how satisfied you feel and eat less and feel satisfied with less food, mm-hmm. um, eating a really colorful meal is a great way to do that. Because it gives you, there's so many different taste your, options. Because your eyes and, can see it and, and it, yeah. it'll, it goes into your brain and your brain's like, ooh, colors. I'm getting lots of different nutrients. That's right. why foods are colored with food coloring to make them look more appetizing. And so when you've eaten something that's very colorful, you can, you know, you can feel like it almost tricks your brain into getting those signals that you've eaten enough. Yeah, but you know, I think that can go both ways because I think that if you just eat something that is very dull and mm-hmm. almost like gray or just, you know, whatever, like bland as shit, you don't want to eat a lot of it either. You don't want to eat a lot of that thing, but you want other food. <laughs> well, <laughs> but if it's what's around, if it's what's on the table, I mean, it's not so. <laughs> Maybe that only works I think if that's it's the only my thing trick. that's around. I think that's my trick is that I don't go for the color. I go for the complete lack of color and then I, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want any more of this. This is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Another way to increase, you know, satiety and feelings of fullness is like to eat slowly and to chew like a lot, like chew until you think you've over chewed, like you can't chew anymore. Oh, I I do that. I mean, usually my meals don't don't always equate to this, but um, like I I have be I, I do the trick of where you eat with your left hand. Mm-hmm. I'm predominantly right handed, um, but I eat with my left hand to slow down the, the eating process. Yeah. Mm. Because sadly, in the you know when I was in the military, you kind of learned to eat really, really fast. And yeah, that's not good. For I you. always turn to Brian during dinner. I'm like, Brian, this isn't the defect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when the when the opportunity provides itself, and there are, you know, and there's this like huge meal or something, I I, I do pull the left hand trick. That's or cool. the non dominant. You're walking hand the trick. left hand path, aren't you? I try all the time. <laughs> Something else I do with my left hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, speaking, I, I was trying to make a segue, but I I just can't. I dropped Something it. about right. fish, dead fish. <laughs> so when you shake someone's hand with your left hand, they might think it's like shaking hands with a dead fish. Well, <laughs> speaking of dead fish. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of... Uh, well, it's a professor and it's a, a university that's trying to develop a method of farming tuna, tuna fish. Now, you might say, how the fuck are they going to pull that off? Because tuna are giant. They are really big. Sure. We all know there's problems with harvesting tuna in the wild because first yeah, you have you to catch, catch one. You, ca- you end up catching dolphins and other things in the net. And, uh, you know, there's problems with tuna containing mercury and other things and because they're sure. a predator fish. And, um, yeah, and, of course, you have to locate one and get it all back in one piece or several pieces, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before it becomes the chicken of the sea. And there's a high demand for tuna, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you could catch one tuna and feed a lot of people, but everybody wants tuna. They want canned tuna. They want sushi, sashimi, tuna tartare, grilled tuna, tuna steaks, you know. There's all kinds of stuff that uh, the people want that's made out of tuna. Sure. So, uh, you know, there's the entrepreneurial problem. 
Uh, URI professor uh, Terry Brad- Bradley and his graduate and undergraduate students are trying to work on a solution. We're trying to breed and produce fish in captivity to take some of the pressure off the wild stock. Now, it won't be easy for a number of reasons, they say. Tuna are long-distance migrants that swim at great speeds and need a lot of space. So acclimatizing them to a 20-foot diameter tank has been difficult. The sex of yellowfin tuna can't be determined, so the researchers have to catch enough wild fish to make spawning probable. So they have to get have enough tuna that they don't know the sex together in the same cage. It's a tiny cage, you know, tiny tank, right? Mm-hmm. Not cage, tank. Together in the same tank, and they have to have, you know, at least like some males and some females so that they're going to spawn. And then they want, you know, and then the the microscopic spawn have to live until they're like large fish uh. in order to be eaten and sold. And they want to feed them, you know, they want to feed them um, pellet food and stuff like that. Normally in the wild, they're feeding on other fish. Right. So, I mean, the composition of the meat, this is going to be a problem because... Oh, okay. Should we just get into the problems? Yes. First of all, I think it's great that they're trying to take pressure off the wild stock because, yes, there are problems with wild catching tuna. I agree. But at the same time, I think this might be very difficult for a number of reasons. One is because the tuna like to roam free. And so are they actually even going to be happy enough to breed in a tiny, like, 20-foot tank? That's Mm. no kind of life after you've been in the ocean. (laughs) It's not cool. Yeah. Um, And then they want to feed them, like, pellet food, which is corn. Now, they farm salmon, and they feed the salmon corn, and the salmon ends up with omega-6 fatty acids in its flesh rather than omega-3 fatty acids like are found in wild salmon. Which is what you're going for. Right. You want the omega-3s because omega-6s are very plentiful in the standard American diet, but they are more, they skew your body towards a more inflammatory state where, you know, people say they contribute to all kinds of things like psoriasis and autoimmune conditions and things like that and just pain and inflammation. Sure. So uh, you want the omega-3s, but... Farm salmon don't have as much of them as do their wild counterparts. And tuna is another fatty fish that, you know, can have omega-3 fatty acids in it. But farm tuna probably isn't going to have as much of that. Okay, so not as healthy. There's problem it's, one. Yeah, it's likely to not be as healthy. And the tuna, I mean, you could say, okay, it's a fish. Um, fish aren't that intelligent. But this is a big fish, right? It probably has a memory of more than three seconds. Like a go- It's not a goldfish we're talking about. They like to roam free, and they like to swim long distances and eat other fish. So if they're swimming around in a 20-foot tank and eating corn, are they going to be very happy? Eh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... You know, of course, I'm human and I, I've developed tastes. I mean, the idea of being in a very small space and being forced to breed, uh, you know, might sound like very sexy to me. Uh, and like, <laughs> like in a cage. Being hand-fed corn all day. Yeah. Oh, like, eat. Fuck. <laughs> you know. Wow. Uh, like, that might be interesting for me, but no, I don't know I think about. You, I think you want to roam free, just yeah, like the tuna. Yeah, but I, I don't know about for the tuna. Um, you know, there, there's something to be said. I, I forget, I would have to look more into this, but I, I have another point I want to bring up about this, but you know, some people talk, I mean, granted, I don't think tuna are sapient. Okay. You know, I don't think that they're, uh, you know, intelligent as and they can act beyond instinct or anything like that, but there, there's been research I know done here and there kind of based off of like Masiru Iwata's work and everything where, where it talks about, you know, the, the actual kind of emotional state more or less. 
of the animals that you're, you know, uh, uh, breeding, farming, you know, whatever, uh, you know, to, to, to make into food, uh, the happier they are, the better the meat turns out exactly. and things like this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. And there, that, that kind of that line of thinking and research comes from a lot of independent schools, not just a lot of. But oh yeah, I uh, mean everybody knows that before you slaughter like a pig or something, you get it drunk and <laughs> um, you know because adrenaline ruins the meat. Sure, yeah. So yeah, I think I think a case could be made for that, and that that's that can be really problematic here. Um, there's a guy. In fact, it's a really a fascinating book. It's a relatively new book called Half Earth by mm. Edward uh, Edward O. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And in this, and look, I am not saying I support this. I am just putting this out there as an interesting take on this. So effectively what we're doing is, is we have approximately 8 billion humans on planet Earth right now, or we're getting there and we're getting there fast. And what we're doing is, is we're trying to get the rest of life on Earth to take less space than we do so that we can take up more. You know, and 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 I and I get that argument, okay, and and obviously humans are very important, you know, and and no doubt about that, you know, and and we are at least on Earth. Well, I don't know if I want to say we're the epitome of evolution, you know. I just walk down the street, and that makes me debate that notion. But (laughs) regardless, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like the people say, oh yeah, there's intelligent life all over the universe. It's like, well, we haven't found it on Earth yet. But uh, regardless of that. This guy, Edward Wilson, he has an idea that you, you pretty much you what you do is you do the opposite, is that humans seem to very much like cities. I disagree that all humans feel that way, but that a lot of humans really like cities. So let's have humans take up just half of the earth, bunch them up into a bunch of cities. I'm sure every you know conspiracy theorists are going agenda 21. Holy shit, we're fucked. Um, but this is his he's not talking about depopulation. He's not saying get rid of half the humans on Earth. He's saying get them into cities and then let the rest of the life on Earth spread out in the other half. And that sounds I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying that seems a little more palatable to solving this tuna problem. OK, then <laughs> by making the tuna confined into a tiny. Yeah. Let's tank. not toss yeah. the tunas into cities. Let's toss the animal that seems to enjoy cities for some reason <laughs> into them. OK, and, <laughs> but I don't. Do we have to toss anybody? Because I think it's like sort no, of self-selecting. I, I think, right. I and think like, they'd want to go. Yeah. I mean, the rural areas, though, like humans and animals coexist pretty much just fine. Like, isn't it true that like in the United States, half the population lives in cities and is clustered in very little land. The other half lives in rural areas and is extremely spread out. Sure. Okay. So in those rural areas, there are a lot of animals and wildlife. And for the most part, humans don't really tread on them. Right? So, like, I feel like those animals are getting enough. No, I don't know how true that is. No? Um, I mean, well, this guy, again, I'm not saying I agree with him. Okay. But I'm just saying that Edward Wilson would say that the the infrastructure to even interconnect with a lot of these cities is keeping what you're saying from happening okay to where no you are trampling on their you know these species ability to thrive uh, even to where we could take advantage of them now he'd say at the same time cities aren't you know self-contained uh, 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 you know, ecosystems on their own. They need farmers outside of it. Like cities require suburbs and so on to be able to even exist and subsist, mm-hmm. you know, and potentially thrive. Okay. Uh, but yeah, his argument would be, you need to take up a very specific, like you take up very specific areas um, 
and and then outside of that you can really let stuff grow and so yeah i i don't know that that i mean because if that were the case like why is this a problem you know with with, with the tuna Hmm. um i think something i think there are there are genuine issues you know going on or or, i don't know maybe that maybe this isn't even related maybe they just want to somehow harvest more tuna and tuna specifically for some tuna reason so (laughs) (laughs) to the tuna millions of dollars which by the way mr t that's what the t stands for tuna tuna he said that on on conan o'brien wow he said people thought it always stood for tough he said no t stands for tuna because T loves tuna well coming up (laughs) coming up you won't believe what we have for you we have the case of the fapping roommate what and then we have something I like to call hold my key Mr. Stephanie don't go away we'll be right back T is for tuna K is for cake Thank you, Roll Music, for making such great chip tunes. You know, I, I didn't I didn't hit it, but I'll say it very fast. The real solution, space tuna. Well, you know, I, I was actually thinking of that. I didn't say it because I was like, I can't let that come out of my mouth. No, that just I'll sounds too it. crazy. But space tuna. I was tuna. like, what if we could farm tuna, like, on a different planet or something, or on the moon there? Space tuna. Terraform the moon. Yeah, Lake Armstrong. Tunaform the moon. Tunaform. <laughs> Mooniform the tune. Uh, <laughs> you know, in Dune, that's what happens to the sandworms. They all turn into like sand tuna. Maybe there's really? something to this. I don't know. I, wow, now you got me thinking. You know, all yeah. you need on a planet is like a big animal you can eat. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got the case of the fapping roommate to solve. We got an email from Louisa CK. Can't you stop jerking off publicly? <laughs> <laughs> Um, about six months ago, says Louisa. I don't want to laugh, but I did. <laughs> I think it's a great name. All right. <laughs> That's what you do on advice shows. You know, you change the name to protect the innocent and you change it to like a, like a gerund or something. If only we could have protected them from Lewis. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay. So Louisa says about six months ago, I was hooking up with this guy in his room, which he was sharing with someone. <gasps> Afterward, I stayed over in the middle of the night. I am pretty sure his friend was jerking off. I know what that sounds like. It's so gross. Do I say something or do I just leave this horror to the recesses of my mind? I doubt the guy would cop to it. I think I should just avoid these weirdos. I don't speak to them really and remain on friendly terms. Thoughts? I can't believe someone would do that. Me neither, Louisa. What a fucking pervert. <laughs> well, wait. God damn. I, I'm not going to disagree. Uh, but the, so were they in bed together? And like, he was just like the third, the third person and he was jerking off. It was a, it was a room on a vacation. Okay. And they were sharing the two, the two guys were, sh- were roommates. Yes. And I, apparently the roommate didn't have anywhere to go. And Louisa was staying over for the night and having sex with the roommate. I think I think they thought the roommate was asleep. And then later she hears fap, 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 fap in the middle of the night. Like on, in the bed? Not in the same bed. Oh. So the, per, the, the other guy okay. was in a different bed. I, at least I think that's what she meant. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, obviously, she already knew the answer. Avoid these fuckers. Like, the yeah, plague. avoid these weirdos. I agree. Yeah. I'm going with avoid these weirdos. Yeah, I mean, screw them. But <laughs> now, why would somebody do this? Um, oh, God, so many different reasons. So it could have been, it could have been his kink. Could have been, but like. Then again, they they were you know in the same room as him, and like he can't go in, at least go in the bathroom or something like uh, that that that's so that that's that is really kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it, I would be disturbed if that happened to me. It reminds me of like a college situation, right? Where like you know when I was in college, I had a roommate for some of the years, most yeah. of the years, and it was like a problem. It was like what would what would we do when one of us wanted to have someone over and have sex with them? Well, I mean, I like to go to bed earlier than my roommate did, and there were several times where we negotiated that she was going to have some guy over or something, and they wanted to have sex, and I said, "All right, well, just go ahead. I'm a heavy sleeper," and they did. But a few times I woke up and I heard something, and uh, you know, I went back to sleep. I there was one time where I had to go to the bathroom, and I was like on the top bunk or something like that. Yeah, they didn't do it in the bottom bunk; they did it like elsewhere in the room, so it wasn't like it was shaking my bunk or something, but. We at least we kind of talked about it in advance, and we were trying not to step on each other's toes. <laughs> but this was not negotiated. This was not consensual. Yeah. Like it's not okay to just jerk off in front of somebody who didn't ask for it or want it or have the opportunity to give consent to it. Even if you think they won't hear it, I mean, there's come on, dude. There's a reasonable chance. Like even just the possibility that you might get caught should stop you unless that's your your fucking kink and in that case you're subjecting someone to your kink who didn't ask for it yeah this is just off on a, on a lot of different levels and like you know this it's shit like this that i feel very not very hopeful about the future and you know why and i'll tell you why okay tell me why okay because and we've talked about this on my show actually like you know with you there like i think touch is has become like almost anathema, you know, like touch between people or even, I don't all kinds of things. Like, you know, there's people that are really into the, I don't know that I like bringing this up, but whatever, I'll bring it up. Like, like the cuddling movement and things like this, you know? Oh, it's a movement now. Well, I think it is. If you're having <laughs> conventions, I don't know what else you'd call oh, it. Oh, where is the cuddle convention? I missed that one. What? That's how it started. That's how it became like a, a thing again. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know about that. Okay. Well, they, they had old classes and conventions and all this stuff and whatever. But yeah, look, when this is the standard that if you just happen to be sleeping in the same room with the dude that he starts whacking off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can see why people don't want to touch each other. Yeah. I can see why people don't want to get close to each other. I can see why people don't want to connect in that way. And and again, I think touch is like, seriously, it's it's a sorely lacking thing i mean i don't know how much more research has to be done 20 hugs a day right like i mean people talk about that all the time imagine if everybody was getting like 20 hugs a day maybe we'd stop offing each other in record numbers you know i mean this but it's because of fucking freaks and i mean that in a bad way usually i don't use that as pejorative but because of this kind of shit that yeah i totally understand why people don't want to do that and 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 i think that it i think it's terrible like pull it together I mean, and, and you can edit this out if you want. I mean, you know, we, we've been in, in 
in bed with other people, you mm-hmm. know, when in a hotel room while we're, you know, whatever, and they were, we were all in the same bed. Nobody did anything untoward or no. anything ridiculous. No, yeah. You and know? if we were to, we would talk about it before and yeah. get everybody's permit, consent and, you know, make sure everyone was on the same page. But, you know, I mean, so, okay, well, what do you think about the initial situation? I mean, the, the guy's got a roommate. They want to hook up. Louisa and the guy want to hook up. And he's like, well, you know, my I've got a roommate. He's in my room. He's probably asleep. We could go there, but I don't know where else we could go. I mean, I assume they went in the room because they had nowhere else to go. That's usually the situation. But was that not cool of them to kind of expose the roommate to them having sex? Well, that yeah, actually, I kind of wanted to go in that direction. Did they too. did they violate the consent first? <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, or there's a lot of information that needs to be known to whether or not that's so. But all right, here's the thing: if the guy can't fucking get another room or a mot- or a hotel motel something, if he can't provide a spot. To get your, to get, you know, to get stooping or do whatever you hook up and do whatever you want to do. Well, he's not fuckable. You know what I mean? Like what, what is that? You know, I feel like you can always find sort of somewhere to go, even if it's like in the bathroom or the shower. Like even if you're sharing a room with someone, you could go in the shower together, right? Or just ask, say, hey, man, can you leave the room for a little bit? Leave the room for like two hours. You know what (laughs) I'm going to do. Yeah. And then put a door hanger or something, put a sock on the door. All this just seems off, you know? And and, I don't know. I I don't, I don't, I don't dig it. I I don't (laughs) dig it. And, and look, you know, I mean, Another thing, and granted, this is the uncomfortable part that I think a lot of people don't like to think about. Okay. Um, you know, when you look in the United States, when you go to like historic homes, especially going more Midwest, Western, those are one room homes. Mm. And you know how many people were in those houses. <laughs> oh, God, okay. Yeah. You had two parents, 12 kids. Where did those 12 kids come from? Where was it being done? Yeah. Okay. And you, it is unquestionable what was going on there. <sighs> I don't even know where, where necessarily I want to go with that. But these are things that humanity has not addressed for a very long time. Yeah. Well, we don't have single family rooms anymore. You right. know, with 12 this is, it's not kids. necessary to do that anymore, you know, right. and, and it's not, and now, just like, I don't think it's necessary to, for the roommate to fucking be there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, you know, I've I've heard people talk about that. There's a there's a thing where parents want to um, or like to give their children like a secure attachment. They have the whole family sleep in the same bed together. And so then people say, all right, well, then when do you have sex and have more kids? Yeah, because if your kid is like in the bed with you, you obviously can't just go ahead and do it. And they say, oh, yeah, well, we'll fit in a quickie in the shower or like on top of the laundry machine or something, wherever we have time. Right. So they basically say they don't have sex in the bed anymore. Right. And I'm like, ooh, to me, that sounds like a huge trade off, you know? Yeah. Like, yikes. Is this a requirement or something? <laughs> right. Like, right. So, uh, I, yeah, I guess I don't know where I was going with that either, but like, you don't have to to uh you don't have to create these uncomfortable situations where people are potentially witnessing sex that they don't want to see you know yeah like there are ways to solve these problems right that there are ways to get privacy in almost any situation yeah i mean in medieval times they went to the church 
literally right. they, they, they were fucking, fucking in church. church yeah it was that's the right. cleanest place in town so that's that's where they went to do the business indeed and yeah okay that went in directions i didn't expect so let us continue <laughs> okay all right so perfect timing our music's starting we got another st- we got another listener email yay <laughs> so this actually relates to something that we talked about on our previous show which was a couple weeks ago at this point, but bear with us. Hopefully they're still listening. We talked about conservatives using the word cuck and how they tend to really like to use that word a lot. Yeah. Maybe you could almost say they fetishize it. <laughs> and I was I didn't mean it like in a sexual way, but they do use the word a lot. And, uh, you know, the author of this article that we read on the show was questioning whether they might really be into the actual fetish of cuckolding, which is a real fetish, uh, but didn't the word cuck didn't really enter the mainstream popular parlance until it took on a political meaning with the, the alt-right, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we got an email. This person said, you've mentioned the conservatives' use of cuckold in a derogatory fashion in a few episodes now. And although I don't identify myself as a conservative, nor puritanical, now, I was raised by them. And I feel I might be suffering from this fetish now because of this. You see, the biggest thing you're leaving out about the fetish is that it's mostly masochistic. We crave and get off on the humiliation of it. This hurts the self-esteem, and submission to the mistress and her bull is often involved. It is very contradictory to my individual list and libertarian ethos. And I feel even more ashamed when I get off on the pain that comes from this inner conflict. What a feedback loop. So he's feeling ashamed. Actually, I don't know if it's a he. They're feeling ashamed. They get turned on by the shame and the humiliation, and then they feel more ashamed and they get more turned on. Oh, vicious circle. (laughs) So if you read my note and say, shame on you for contradicting your own values like this to me, I would become aroused. Oh, now I know why they're writing in. (laughs) I'd probably fantasize about Mistress Stephanie holding my chastity key and forcing me to suck Sir Brian off. I'm not gay. (laughs) That's why it it would hurt so much. And it would be oh so worth it to look up from my knees and see an evil grin of superiority come across both of your faces. The humiliation would be so complete. (laughs) <laughs> You're speechless. I, Sir Brian is speechless. Most people that, quote, suffer from this fetish can relate to these thoughts. Now, the religion I was reared in was all about shame and servitude, and my mother was a controlling bitch. I seem to have compartmentalized that influence to my masturbation routine. So how do I stop? Or would you hold my key? <laughs> I don't really know what I'm asking. Maybe the chastity thing is really about wanting to be free of this fetish and not about the imprisoned cock itself. And then a correction. Make he spelled your name or they spelled your name like Brian Adams, which a lot of people do. Oh. Because yeah. there's a Y in your last name, but not in your first name. Yeah. The first name is B-R-I-A-N. Right. Last name is S-O-V-R-Y-N. So yes. they said, make that Sir Brian spelled correctly. Sorry about the typos and other errors I missed in my previous message, sir. Yeah. Get on your knees and tell me you're yeah, sorry. Exactly. You should yeah. be sorry, you yeah. worthless piece of dung. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, so, okay. 
I think this person was was roping us into their kink a little bit. So I read it. We just gave them like a, I mean. I just gave them a gift of an erotic reading of their email. Yeah, this is going to get spliced and (laughs) cut out. But I thought it was, I thought it actually brought up some points that were valuable to the show. So I figured I would, you know, play along a little bit consensually, right? Sure. Um, You know, they said that the people who have this fetish, like it's all about humiliation. And we did miss that when we talked about it before. Ah. So I don't know. Should we, what's the lesson in here? Should we think twice about kind of insulting and humiliating people online who are like conservatives who are using the term cuck or calling people soy boys or something? Because maybe that's their kink and they're getting off on it. Maybe they want to be humiliated. Maybe they want women to you know, tell them what, tell them how stupid they are and things like that. I'll tell you, if that was the reality and like, if that ever got revealed and got out, I mean, that that could shatter the planet. I mean, like, like that, that would just be, you know, so many people are so much kinkier than, you know, than, you know, sure. Yeah. People have set private lives that they're very, they keep hidden very, very deeply. And this email, of course, was anonymous. It's always anonymous when you contact us, but they used a pseudonym, too. So I don't I don't have any fucking clue who it is. But yeah, right. um, (laughs) At least someone out there is really interested in, uh, you know, imagining us dominating them. (laughs) I mean, the evil superior grin. Like, yeah, you we can get into that. Huh? Yeah. And, well, yeah. we do that. I mean, you know, like that, that's definitely in our repertoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, they were kind of all over the map with that email. Like it yeah. wasn't just cuckolding. It was more also like chat, like a chastity device kind of thing. And yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think we're justified in that evil grin. So, okay. Do you think that uh, <laughs> we're always justified in our evil grins? There's no one that can tell us otherwise because we are the mistress and sir. Brian and Master Master Brian, Master. yeah. <laughs> Boy, if anyone ever listens to Sovereign Tech, you'll hear that. Uh, anyway, no, <laughs> both of them. Um, you know, so funny thing with like with kinks, right? Here, I'll 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 I'll, I'll admit to this one. I don't know if I've ever really talked. Oh, about confession it. time! Yeah, I have. I have. I have an Empress fantasy. Like, I I love the idea, and and I don't mean to like get into the because you know feminists today are like oh it, they don't have to be strong women why is everybody saying oh yeah we got a strong woman blah, blah. yeah I, I get it okay but i really do enjoy strong women like I, I i think that's an awesome thing and um as much as like i am not i think feminists would say like whatever your kink is that's fine well they'd say as that about kink but i'm not, saying like yeah. like i make it a point in the the works of fiction that i do to have strong women but now the complaint is, is why does everybody have to be a strong woman? It's like, well, they don't, but that's what I, that's what I, you know, want in my story. Okay. But they, like, they, they constantly criticize like people in Hollywood. And there's certainly plenty to criticize people about in Hollywood that, oh, all you're doing is creating strong women. Well, why they don't have to be strong. Well, no shit. You know, that that's fine. Um, it, it seems like an odd argument to make that's That's why I brought it up. But my point being is that as much as I would you know, I suppose I could fall under a more dominant flair if one were to, you know, to, to buy but you into want that an paradigm to worship at the same time. I love. Yeah, I love to. I mean, and I do worship women, but I love the idea of like really, you know, like of that being part of a sexual play and act is like, you know, the woman really being an empress. Like I get off on the idea of like. All right. Sounds great. Women Sign in me charge up. <laughs> and, you know, not that not that I'm like I, you know, I'm going to like you know, grab the ankles, you know, bend over and grab the ankles or anything about it. But like, I love the notion of, yeah, you know, of like, like, 
but it's funny because at the same time, like I am a non hierarchical, you know, I'm all, I'm not about hierarchies. I'm not about, you know, any of this stuff. Well, that's kind of part um, of the, the whole thing about kink and um, subversive pol- politics, I guess, is like a lot of people view kink as a way to almost mock like traditional gender and mm. power dynamics and gender Fair. roles and things like that. Because in kink, you can do anything you want. You can in sexual play, you can be a different gender. You can cross dress. You can. Yeah you can be outside of your normal role. If you were raised as a woman thinking you were supposed to be submissive to men, you can be a dominatrix or yeah. you can be submissive and eroticize it and get off on it and choose to be submissive and right. reclaim your power on that. Right. So there's all kinds of different ways that kink can be very subversive that way because it can make you just question how silly the the traditional social norms are. You know. Yeah, yeah, I I I think people don't think enough and that's why like I can actually kind of appreciate the confusion in this email. What sounds like confusion anyway. I could mm-hmm. be wrong about that. But because I think they're just turned on. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> they're writing an email and they right. got turned on. Right. I'm just saying that like even in myself I can see there's things that like have a lot of motivations, like I have fantasies that have not been like fully analyzed to like what's really at the core behind that. But because do you I, have to analyze your fantasies or can you just ig- ignore it, like Forget about that and just enjoy it. You know? Yeah, you do not have to have to analyze them. You can just have them and enjoy them. Um, and if anything, I almost recommend that, you know, uh, as long as nobody's getting hurt in the matter, obviously. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to. But, you know, I think people find that there's like contradictions when you get into like the realm of sexual fantasy and all that. And no, I think the realm of sexual fan, like I think sex itself is such a unique expression of the human condition that it lends itself to a lot of fluidity. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe maybe the ultimate point that I'm making. Because again, myself, my core self, as I walk around through the day, you know, the idea of there being an empress over me is, you know, fuck no. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but as far as like in my sexual... Like a real empress that collects taxes from you and doesn't give you sexual pleasure. <laughs> exactly. But right. But like... Like, like Hillary it, Clinton or something. Yeah. Holy hell no. But like... You know, but in, in, in my sexual fantasies, oh, yes. You know, wearing leather to the hilt on a throne, you know, the whole thing. And I, like I am I am on board. Uh, but I do actually worship women. That, that's that that part's true. So, anyway. so here's another question from the email. Do you think that there are a lot of people they said that religion, the religion they were reared in was all about shame and servitude? Do you think that religions like that, I think that's a theme in a lot of religions. I can't tell what religion in in particular they might be talking about. But, uh, yeah, do you think that uh, religions leave people with fetishes about humiliation and kinks and things like that? Unavoidably, unavoidably, especially Abrahamic religions, by design, they do this because you are literally told, especially like in the New Testament by Paul, you are told that, like, not that sin is a good thing, but that without sin, there's no grace. Without sin, there's no salvation. <laughs> oh, this and is so, the whole carnal Christians thing. Well, right? kinda. That that's getting like Romans nine. That 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 that's a whole other conversation. But the point being is that y- you're almost told that like you get closer to God by asking for forgiveness and through salvation. So like, if you engage in acts that require salvation and all this stuff, like, th- th- there's a very odd switch going on there you know, in your head that, wait a minute, you know, like not, not that's again, not that sin is good, but, 
oh, I get more of Christ's love and more of his salvation when I'm bad. You know, I mean, like that, that's an unconscious message. It's, it's, it's actually out in the open, but unconsciously, I don't think people realize how that affects them when they're, when they accept that as truth. Uh, and, and like, and there's an emotional release that society, nothing to do necessarily. Well, I mean, it has some to do with religion. There's an emotional release that comes with a confession, you know, and, and, and with like admitting that you've done something wrong and Mm. all this stuff, there's a release that comes from that. And I think that can become, you know, almost fetishized, sexualized. Yeah. And then being told like almost by the religion or God through the priest, like, well, you've been very, very bad, but I still love you. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the thing is that like, it's not a, you know, there's no loss in it. Like they're, they're, you know, according to religion, like it's, it's, it's a, you know, great thing and that, that, that you confess and that you ask for forgiveness and all this. I mean, it's, it's oh, that, that, that is though there's such fucked up messages inside of especially Abrahamic religions. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it bad. kind of creates all these forbidden fruits and then it makes you want to subvert it through kink. I think all those messages that you learned that you didn't have a choice in, right? It sure. makes you want to take the power back and like maybe reenact some of those scenes or dynamics in a consensual way that you can get off on. So you have the ultimate last laugh. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because the bedroom is like the one place that religions generally steer clear of other than pretty much Christianity is telling you that you're always having a threesome because Christ is everywhere, you know, and even <laughs> your the, whole marriage is a threesome. Right. God is in there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, all Christians are polyamorous. They just won't, they won't admit it, but it, it very clearly says the bedroom is undefiled. You can do whatever the fuck you want in the bedroom. I thought that was the marriage bed. So as long as you're married, well, you okay. gotta be married. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, but once you're married, you can do whatever the hell you want. And <laughs> you know, I knew somebody who was writing a book about BDSM and Catholicism. Like yeah. The self-flagellation of like the monks and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that undefiled part is where you are finally allowed to release all of these contradictions mm. that create kinks within these religions. Wow. All right. What a note to end on. This has been Sex and Science Hour. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned for our after show. And if you want to email us your listener questions, show at sexandsciencehour.com or use the contact form on sexandsciencehour.com. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. show the show's not really over didn't you get the memo (laughs) so you guys know how this works uh go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and you can find all the items that we're going to talk about on our after show and if you buy something entering through that link you're going to appear on one of our next after shows so how about that and we can't see who bought it don't worry we're we're not that stalkery we're not like obsessing over your purchases we're just uh you know we just see what was purchased and uh then we speculate about it and we talk about it and 
you know, usually some interesting stories come up. So stuff.sexandsciencehour.com to get anything you hear about on the after show. And if you get shamed over it, I mean, yeah. maybe you're into uh, that. And Maybe you that's know. your kink, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> maybe you're shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com because you have a fetish for for uh, that website that it brings you to. <laughs> I just love people reading about my Godzilla DVDs when I purchase them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, okay, so what did people get through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com this week? Well, we're we're a little bit behind, but we're catching up, okay? So first thing is a, a Kindle Oasis e-reader. You have Whoa, one of these, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I am, I'm a huge fan. Did they get the 3G, 32 gig? Uh, eight gigabyte, uh-huh. um, Wi-Fi, uh-huh. and built-in Audible, and it's waterproof. Okay. So that's right. why they call it the Oasis. Well, no, they call it the Oasis. You talked about this on your show. They call it the Oasis because it's like an oasis of reading. But Oasis it, for your mind. But but it is also waterproof, which yeah. is a big upgrade from the previous Kindle models. Yeah, well, the original Oasis that came out wasn't waterproof. And everybody said, what the fuck? Oh. Like, you named it Oasis and it's not waterproof, you know? But anyway, yeah, I think the naming of Oasis is just like Kindle is the fire of the mind. Um, not... Oh hear people that say oh that's that's books burning okay uh but and anyway the, wow <laughs> that's the kind of a nihilistic interpretation of yeah, that name that's somebody who's a little <laughs> too deep on the conspiracy side wow. but anyway uh the oasis yeah i think it's an oasis for your mind um yeah i have the i don't like the 3g because you can turn off the wi-fi and bluetooth you cannot turn off 3g so i don't buy 3g models anymore um, but I have the 32 gig model and I just, I love that. Oh man. And to be able to play the audiobooks now that it has Bluetooth, it, it is a remarkable device. It might be the first thing that I would grab if the house was burning. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, I am just so, I, I love these devices that are purpose built. They do one thing and one thing only, uh, just like I find myself when I want to play games, I'm not going to my PC anymore. I'm going to my 3DS mm. because fucking it does it right, you know? And, and of course, you have some of the greatest games ever made on there. But, yeah, I, I like it. Goodbye. Great buy. Yeah. W- wonderful. And not cheap. Thank you. Yeah. Two, $249. Well, they, they should be thanking themselves because they got themselves a gift, right? Yeah. You're welcome. And it doesn't cost anything extra to go through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, by the way, of course. Um, you'll always get the best prices there. Soylent. We got more Soylent. <laughs> Somebody buys Soylent like once a month, bless their heart. Whoever does that. There's a pack of 12. You know, they must go through it in a month. And this is the coffee flavor. So. <laughs> Can I get coffee flavored coffee, please? <laughs> yeah. Um. Somebody got a... Okay, so somebody got the the thing that I'm using to do the show on right now, which is called the Work Easy Standing Desk Conversion Kit. Ooh. So what this is, this is really freaking cool. Right now, it costs $105, but I think when I bought it, it might have been way more than that. (laughs) But what it is, is basically a stand for your keyboard and a stand for your monitor that lets you convert a sitting desk into a standing desk setup. Yeah. And this is what I use every day for my voiceover work and to do the show. Yeah. We're coming to you from it right now. (laughs) It's brilliant. But, you know, I got to tell you, if somebody's bought, if somebody bought the Oasis the standing desk setup and Soylent, somebody's doing it right. Somebody's like really getting efficient there. Or maybe it's three different individuals. You'll, we, we'll never know. We'll but never know. If you want to get your hands on this, it's called the Work Easy Standing Desk Conversion Kit. 
Nice. And uh, yeah, I buy one for every room of your house and you'll never have to sit down again. You can get rid of all your chairs and just get these. (laughs) (laughs) Puma Men's Tazone 6 Fracture FM Cross Trainer Shoe. This is an all black sneaker for cross training. You would probably love this, Brian. I am actually, I'm probably the rock. Does it come in your size? Let's see. Oh, yes, it does. And what is my size? Your size is 12. Yeah, that's about right. Yep. Yeah, it it, anyway, it it fluxes between eleven and thirteen depending on the brand. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, I'm actually tempted to get the Rock just came out with his new shoes, uh, the Project Ooh, Deltas the from Rock Under Armour shoes. I might be getting those. Uh, so yeah, I'm in looking at new shoes. I'll take a look at these Pumas too. <laughs> Somebody's got a decorative tool belt. This is really sexy. It's called Sleek and Studded Leather Hip Belt Brown. And it's I wish I wish I could describe it like it's got these little pockets and it's like a belt, like a leather brown belt that you put around your waist. But it's got these pockets and the pockets are like a leaf. Each pocket is a little leaf. And it looks like you could go to a Ren fair with this. It's really, really cool. Nice. It's, I'm it's ready almost for like a medieval fanny pack. <laughs> I love it. Fifty four dollars. I think that's well worth it. Oh, we got a sex toy. Ma- Magic wand massager with wand essentials. So is this like a Hitachi? You know, I don't think it is Hitachi, unless they spun off the brick. Oh, nope. Yeah, it is Hitachi. So this is the classic massager you've heard about. Originally, it was known as the Hitachi Magic Wand. Now it's just the Magic Wand. And it has like a Bluetooth speed control. (laughs) You plug the box into the wall, plug the wand into the box, and adjust the dial according to your desires. The controller offers six feet of cord for additional mobility. (laughs) Oh, so it is corded. But uh, yeah, this is this is one of this is probably the most popular sex toy ever. Ever. Yeah, ever for for female bodied people. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty dollars. Not bad. Not bad. You know, I should just pick one of these up. I really should because I just I've never I've tried them, but I don't own one. Really? (laughs) Yes. All right, pick one out. I'll get you one. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate of course. That. Well, they got some lube to go along with it because we had the Shibari Premium Lubricant Water Based Lube. Nice. And there was a men's attachment. That's coming up later. Let me see if I can find it. Um, okay, I, we'll get to it. But yeah, there was a there was a men's attachment for it as well. Men. So the, the magic wand has has a head. It's like a. It's probably the size of your fist or something. Okay. And they make all these attachments that fit over it like a hat. And then the hat has like a big, long gonzo nose coming out of it. Right. And you can use it to stimulate various body parts, you know, penetration or How whatever. How does it work for men? Well, I guess you would put it in your butt and uh, you would turn on the, the vibration and it would go up into your prostate. Size of a fist? No, like the... So the part that vibrates is the size of a fist. Okay. It has something that goes over it like a oh, hat with a with a nose like yeah, sticking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. The nose is the thing got that it, would penetrate. Got it, got it. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Now on to the mundane, but still important. Uh, TP-Link Powerline Adapter Kit Gigabit with uh, Power Outlet Pass-Through. Okay, so little inside baseball here. We just spent about five minutes trying to figure out what the fuck this thing was. Yeah. <laughs> and we finally figured it out. And so we just cut that out and we're just going to skip right to the good part. This is a device that equips any room of your house with uh, wired internet, no matter where it, how far away it is from your router. So it's like you plug it into the wall outlet and then you can plug it. It has Ethernet ports. Right. 
And one of those, somewhere you're plugging this in mm -hmm. to the router, yeah. into the Ethernet jack, and then that's sending Ethernet through your... I don't know this how it wild. works. I, I'm going to order a set and I, I got to check this out because I haven't seen like a gigabit pass through. Like I, I th this is, this is very interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's something that's been around forever and somehow it completely skipped my radar or, you know, went under my radar, which. Well, it's like you plug it in, but it doesn't take up an outlet, you know, like, so you right. can still plug something into the outlet. And uh, yeah, this is a really interesting looking device. We were like looking at it puzzled and then we finally scrolled down to the description. So uh, Brian, I will send this to you. I'll keep this tab open. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like for gaming and other applications, I guess, where you want fast internet. Oh, nice. Golden curry sauce mix, pack of five. Traditional Japanese curry sauce. Ooh, excellent when served over grilled or sautéed beef and rice. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Hungry man. Somebody got uh, Maxi Flex Ultimate Nylon Nitrile Grip Gloves. These uh, are breathable gloves, become the benchmark for precision handling in dry environments. But I guess we'll protect your hands or keep them warm. Well, sounds good. Nice. We had a bunch of gloves purchased through our link lately. Fever tree. A lot of murderers out there. Now listen to this. This is an interesting thing. A lot of murderers. <laughs> Brian, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Okay? Get him wet Sorry, first. Sorry, that was terrible. You... <laughs> Carry um, on. Okay. So this is a really interesting item. Somebody got a 24-pack of ginger beer. It's Fever Tree Premium Ginger Beer, 6.8 ounce glass bottles, packed with real ginger that you can see in the bottle, highly carbonated to deliver botanical aromas and ensure premium freshness and fizz. All right. Oh, yeah. So this is like, it's like root beer, but it's ginger beer. Okay. Yeah. And cool. I, it's not alcoholic. It's like just ginger kind of flavored. They also have club soda and they've got bitter lemon. Mm, sounds great. Uh, simple Human uh, drawstring, drawstring Trash Bags, 60 count for 20 bucks. That's good. Uh, Purina Beyond Natural Grain-Free Ocean Whitefish and Egg Dry Cat Food. <laughs> Somebody gets uh, pet food on our... On yeah. Our, yeah, it's really good on our after show. Take care of those animals. DeWalt Flex Torque Screwdriving Set, 40-piece. Oh, my. This is heavy duty. Like, the, if I saw this in a store, I would want to buy it. I wouldn't even know what it was for, but it's got, like, all these different sizes of bits and drill bits and screw bits and things like that. Yeah, someone's uh, getting serious. Yeah, someone's getting really serious about their screwing activities. Uh, 25 bucks for that. The Wine Rack. Oh, my God. Okay, this is really... So, Brian, when you hear the wine rack, what do you think? You you think like a, like a metal wire rack that holds bottles of wine, right? Yeah, generally. Well, this is a play on words. This is not that. This is a bra that holds <laughs> wine <laughs> that you can drink out of. <laughs> well? Yeah. So, the wine rack... <laughs> is a comfortable sports bra with polyurethane bladder that holds 25 ounces of your favorite beverage. Medium-sized bra fits 34A through 34D. Long, huh? dr long drinking tube with easy-to-use on-off valve to control the flow. You know, I... that is a great idea. Next time you're going hiking, you know, you just put it in, you 
you got a water bra that pumps up your boobs, and you got the water to drink <laughs> on your trip. This is for, this is awesome. I I I could kind of get into that. I think I could get I into mean, that. I mean, I don't drink, but this might convince me. <laughs> if somebody said, I mean, like, actually, really, like, if you step, if you're wearing that, and you're like, look, you know, what are you going to do? I, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that looks so cool. Just make sure it doesn't leak because, you know, that could get or like, how do you keep it cool? How do you keep it chilled? You know, Mm. that might be a problem. You have to drink it right away. Yeah. (laughs) Kitty City, extra large, wide, corrugated scratchers, bubble window cat scratcher with catnip. So this is like things that cats can like claw, you know. I just saw this thing that said like declawing cats is like really bad. Like every cat gets complications from it. Really bad. What kind of complications? Uh, like they, you know, they get like infections in their paws and like their claws are a part of the cat. Like it's natural for them to want to like retract their claws and like, you know, dig into things. And if they can't, if they don't have those, they get mm. sad and miserable. They want to scratch things. Yeah, imagine Wolverine without the adamantium. I mean, yeah, be, yeah. exactly. That's okay. exactly Got what it. it's like. So if you have a cat with claws, you need a scratcher. And uh, this is two pieces for fifteen eighty nine. That's really good. All right. Pura Dior hair thinning therapy shampoo with organic argan oil, biotin and natural ingredients. Now, this is interesting. So this is a, a, a shampoo that's supposed to thicken your hair. Now, biotin is a thing that uh, is supposed to stimulate hair growth and hair thickness. Nobody really knows why it works, but it does. But I thought it was only if you ingested it, not if you just put it on your scalp. Maybe it works if you put it on your scalp, too. I don't know, because this product has good reviews. And this is only $20. So there you go. But I would say... If you're trying to uh, preserve your hair, maybe, like, if you have straight hair, shampoo, sure, that's fine. But uh, curly hair, you don't want to shampoo too often because it'll just dry it out and make it break sooner. And it won't look good as long. Explains a lot. (laughs) Why? I shampooed way too often. Oh, and you're bald. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I don't think that's why. I think that was a, I think that's a sign of high testosterone because you're just such a man. man. (laughs) I don't want to say anything, but. <laughs> EB Max, no, Ebax Men's Minimalist Slim Front Pocket Wallet. This is a minimalist wallet that's just one little billfold kind of thing, and it's waterproof. Extremely durable, two to three times thinner than leather wallets. That's good. I mean, one way to secure your wallet is to make sure no one knows it's in your pocket. Yeah, so. so yeah. <laughs> Have a really thin wallet and don't keep too much money in it. Yeah, I, I mean, not so much the money part, but like. Crap. Yeah, I do. I do the same thing, um, or well, similar. Where I actually like, I'll even buy like women's wallets that are supposed to go in their purse. Mm. Where it's just that one slim piece. In fact, the one I have is pink. The ones that come with a purse, right? Like, yeah, that are on the inside of it. it. Yeah, and and they're great because you know I grew up in New York City, and like the first thing my entire family would say, never wear your wallet in your back pocket. You wear it in your front pocket. Well, if you got one of these stupid trifold things, I mean, like, it, you know, looks like you're walking around with a Schudenhofer all day long. <laughs> and so um, I am I'm so used to wanting a really slim wallet that I can just, you know, put in like a front pocket, even though now I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll wear it in a back pocket just because I'm used to having my phone back there, too. And it's not weird to reach for it. But um, or but you I, could I, carry a purse. Well, I could. I've, I've been there. I've been there. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But, 
yeah, I like a good slim wallet. That's great. Do you remember the trend from the 90s of the people who would have a chain attached to their wallet and of clip it onto I their... I had it. You did? I had a Kiss wallet <laughs> all that the, had that. All the boys had wallet chains. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that started like being a thing, but... I don't either. I guess it's like an anti-theft device, but then it turned into like a fashion statement. And they don't actually prevent theft because you could just unclip it or something. Yeah. My only real problem with it is like, you know, it jangled. It like it made a sound. It and, did. And yeah, I, it jangled. Especially it jangled like against the hard institutional chairs of middle school. <laughs> that had to be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it was extremely annoying. And the bigger your chain, you know, the bigger of a man you were, even as a seventh grader. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I totally, you know. OG done that, you know, over gold. <laughs> <laughs> SanDisk Extreme Pro 32 gigabyte SDHC card. Oh, this, we all need one of those. Yes. Naked whey, one pound, undenatured, 100% grass-fed whey protein powder. Wow, that sounds serious. Oh, yeah. Um, now, whey protein is something that a lot of people uh, drink when they're trying to build muscle because whey contains... S- it's the milk of a cow, right? So milk naturally contains growth factors for the growing calf, yes. right? As does human breast milk. And some bodybuilders seek out human breast milk because <laughs> it contains antibodies and stuff. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They go on Craigslist and they find women who have extra breast milk and then they buy it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. People who are like, you know, rec- like have muscle wasting because of cancer and things like that, too, or if they're recovering from it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bodybuilding, bodybuilder might be a strong term for me, but okay. Well, I think even before you became a bodybuilder, you would have been <laughs> down for trying the breast milk. I'm just saying. I don't think it has anything to do with your muscles, except yeah, maybe one muscle. <laughs> if I have a good yeah, except for the love muscle. Yeah. If I have a good excuse, though, like, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I'm working out. I got it. (laughs) Well, it's a lot cheaper and a lot more safe in terms of not contracting viruses and stuff that are carried in breast milk to, uh, you know, just go for the whey whey protein. This is only 22 bucks for a pound. So that's pretty good. All right. I know. It's not as fun, but (laughs) (laughs) milk has two parts, right? There's the curds and the whey when you curdle it with acid, right? Yeah. The curds are the casein and the fat. And the whey is what's left over, the the clear kind of fluid that has whey protein in it. Um, And whey protein contains most of the growth factors. I'm pretty sure Little Miss, uh, was it Little Miss Muppet told me about that? Yeah, that's right. Little Miss Muppet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey. Yeah, all right. Yeah, she told me. Uh, Food Saki Tokyo. (laughs) She was a bodybuilder. She totally got breast milk on Craigslist, too. Chef, sommelier, journalist, and restaurant consultant Yukari Sakamoto guides the reader through the gourmet delights of this fascinating city, from the world's largest fish market to the Kapabashi Kitchenware District. So this is about Tokyo. That's cool. Yeah, not Somalia. <laughs> you know, whenever I hear that word sommelier, it means like a wine, yeah. uh, a, a person who knows all, all about wine and can show you the best wines and stuff and pairs them with dishes and things like that. I always, the first thing I always think is like, oh, they're Somalian. They're from <laughs> Somalia. Like my my mom's telling me a story and she goes, oh yeah, her husband is a Somalier. I'm like, oh, they're from, he's from Somalia. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, 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 it's wine. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, food book about Tokyo, man, you know, I bet this is interesting, but how can you read a book like this and just not get hungry? 
Yeah. I must get really hungry. Okay. Uh, Boss Man Jelly Beard Oil. Words, world's first jelly beard oil. Bonds to beard hair better than conventional oils. Three in one. Moisturizing, taming, and strengthening. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Sometimes I use, uh, was it Old Amish? The increased viscosity of the jelly forms a robust bond to hair follicles and skin pores that other beard oils can't. I wonder if it has, like, uh, castor oil in it. Because castor oil is like that. It's like a really thick oil. Let's see. Ingredients. Oh, yep. Yep, castor oil. Yep. <laughs> now, this week I did some reading about castor oil because I, uh, there was a question that came up about it in a, you know, among a friend and a friend's thread. Um. Some people recommend putting castor oil like on your eyebrows or on your eyelashes even or on your hair to get them to grow. And okay. it's, it is sort of associated with hair growth. But then somebody said, oh, I was going to put it on my eyebrows. But then someone said it made her eyebrows fall out. So what should I do? Holy shit. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, castor oil comes from the castor bean plant, which is Ricinus communis. That's the Latin name. It's a plant that a lot of people grow in their yards as an ornamental, but it contains one of the deadliest toxins known to man if it's if it's enriched, which is ricin. And you might have heard like terror attacks of ricin's deadly. If you, if you get someone to inhale it, the oh, size yeah. of like a grain, like a few grains of salt can be deadly and things like that. Yeah, terror ricin. Right. Yeah. So this comes from the castor bean plant. But and then so you say, OK, well, is castor oil toxic? No, because when they extract the oil from castor beans they grind them up they press them the oil uh ricin is water soluble so it ends up in the bean pulp and then even if like a little bit got in the castor oil they they heat it to kill the ricin so they it shouldn't contain any toxic ricin that's what happens when you're terrorizing <laughs> oh, terrible oh my gosh okay well if i had a beard i'd probably use jelly beard oil you want me to send this one to you, too? No, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> Jesse Curl Confident Coil Solution. Oh, this is like a curly hair thing. Jesse's Curl. <laughs> Come I on. I it that way. Come on. How I wish oh. that I was Jesse's Curl. Look, look. Oh, no, I had Jesse's Curl. I always think it, I always thought that song was that I wish I was Jesse's Girl, but it's I wish I had Jesse's Girl. Uh, Big would, difference. Yeah, Rick wouldn't have mind singing the other way, but... <laughs> Look, I and I'm not kidding. I am a huge Rick Springfield fan. Uh-huh. Like in fact, he just had a new album come out, Snake King, uh, in February. It's it's fantastic. Um I, like I mean, I'm a crazy Rick Spring. I've gone on cruises for Rick Springfield, you understand? Like I mean, I'm that big of a fan. I am so he's he doesn't even want to play that song anymore. And that song, like honestly, it's terrible. Why? Because it got so ma mainstream. Well, or no, because it's like the only thing he ever got known for, and it's easily his worst song. Like by by leaps and bounds, it's his worst song. <laughs> he has awesome, awesome songs: "State of the Heart," "Celebrate Youth," uh, "Allison," "Affair of the Heart," uh, "Rock of Life." I mean, I could keep going on and on. There's a million, million. This guy has so many great songs. So many of his albums are literally track for track. They're so good. And everybody just fucking goes nuts for that goddamn song. And in fact, I was at one concert because I used to, it used to be, I would go to see him yearly. Um, and at least, and like, there were a couple concerts where he said, no, we're not playing that. And I was like, yes, good. <laughs> it's so crazy. Anyway, um, got, right. got that off my chest. 
GE USB charging extension cord with uh, USB and uh, surge protection. This is like just an extension cord and sure. gives you the ability to plug in USBs. Little modern twist. Uh, somebody got some preserved toothbrushes, which are made out of recycled plastic and mm-hmm. nylon bristles. Nice. And they're kind of curved, like to hit the G spot in your mouth or something. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> they got a little curve to them. Star Trek Discovery original series soundtrack. Ooh. Ooh. Jeff Russo. Yeah, Jeff Russo. That's right. It yeah. was on the uh, audio CD for $12. That's yeah, I bought good. the digital. The di- It was weird. The digital, the digital version release came out like a month or two before the physical one did. Mm. Um, I picked it up the day that it came out. It, uh... You know, it's a very subdued soundtrack for Star Trek. Mm. It's not bad, but it's very subdued. Well, if the theme song is any indication, I I mean, I would expect. Yeah, I I have a love-hate relationship with that. (laughs) When they bring in like It's not like the Enterprise theme. No, well, and I know people hated that. I liked it. I thought Russell Watts, not the third season version, but uh, the first and second season version. But, um, yeah, I... When when they bring in the really deep, not not the cello, um, or maybe it's the cello. When they bring in the yeah, the really, that sounds like a cello. It sounds yeah, it's it's like it sounds like Game of Thrones, and I just want to go fell a tree on myself after <laughs> when I hear it because like that is the most annoying. Oh, please don't thing fell a tree on yourself. To to want to appeal to is Game of Thrones fans. We the last thing that Star Trek needs, or that the world needs, or that anybody needs, are Game of Thrones fans. Boom. In fact, you know what? That's how we're going to solve the tuna problem. Okay. We're gonna to have to do something about. Brian Game of has a fans. modest proposal for you. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna to have to do something about Game of Thrones fans. We are gonna create a virtual Westeros. Is is that the Game of Thrones land? I don't know. Maybe I've I'm thinking never of, seen it. I don't, maybe that's because you won't let me watch it. I know, well, right, we're never gonna watch it. Um, <laughs> Westeros might be. I might be thinking of um, World of Warcraft there, but regardless, I mean Game of Thrones. Uh, we'll make a virtual version of that, and then we can just get all those people into one spot on Earth, and they can live in that virtual land, and they can just go nuts about Game of Thrones for the rest of their lives and leave everybody else on planet Earth alone to actually uh, forward the human species instead of watch such horrid shit. Uh, so, that you know, I, there, there's my plan. Okay, we can go forward. <laughs> right on. All right, we got the iMudo pocket-sized portable charger for for anything, really, 18 bucks, And it's just, it's small, and it has a digital display that tells you how much power is left in it. Good for vibrators. Yo, yes. Hey. I got a little pocket vibe that uses some weird battery, but it's like, you know, it fits in the palm of your hand. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I haven't tried it yet, but. <laughs> yeah, but I like the size. Yeah, the size looked cool. We both looked at it. Yeah. Aki Car Charger Ultra Compact uh, for the cigarette port for 17 bucks, and it lets you charge USB. Yogi Tea Honey Lemon Throat Comfort Tea. It's very good. I've had some. Uh, Sonimart Replacement Toothbrush Heads for Philips Sonicare Pro Results, and it has a 5% off coupon, but you have to clip it. You have to clip that coupon. That's right. How much more do we got to the list? How much more to the list? Yeah. Well, we can end here because this is the the thing that I was looking for. This All is right. the holy grail. <gasps> the hummingbird male attachment for magic massager wand. Now, Brian, can you see this? This is actually not a prostate toy. This is a, it looks like a, a sleeve, a masturbation sleeve. Put it in a sleeve. 
put it in a sleeve. Yep. You put you put a little hat on the magic wand, and then there's a masturbation sleeve that goes over it, and it makes it vibrate. You got to get this, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. Would you like to try it? Huh. I, I didn't think you really liked those kinds of toys. Not, not exactly. No, yeah. All right. Well, well but it's only $12, and it's made of pure silicone. Well. Body safe. Very cool. Well, thanks for thanks for doing your shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. If you want to get anything you heard about on our after show, simply go over there, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And of course, if you've got questions for the show or you just want to participate, head on over to uh, our website, leave us a con- drop us a line through our contact form or show at sexandsciencehour.com. And uh, Brian, any closing words? Or are we good? Thank you for being so freaky, everybody. Yeah, thank you for being so Love freaky. Love these purchases. Thank Bravo. you, freaks, for sure for being on our after show and for listening to our show. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time.